Good morning, church family. For it is wonderful to see all of you here today as we venture on this morning in the Gospel of Mark, looking specifically today at Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 41, or when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ teaches his disciples the lesson that anyone who is not against us is for us. Which comes to us, church, in Mark chapter 9, following Jesus Christ once again, foretelling his disciples about his death and resurrection. And I say that because as Jesus Christ and his disciples were leaving the region of Caesarea Philippi and passing through that of Galilee, Jesus Christ, he said to his disciples in verse 31, that the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. And they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. And once again, church, Jesus' disciples here still did not understand exactly what Jesus Christ meant by that. Since this idea of a suffering and of a dying and of a raise from the dead type of Messiah simply did not fit in, church, with their preconceived notions about what the Messiah ultimately came into this world to do. However, not only did Jesus' disciples not understand this saying from Jesus Christ, But also, as we see in verse 34, they also then began arguing with one another about which of them was the greatest, or about which of them was the most important, or about which of them was the most wonderful, the most praiseworthy, the most commendable, or about which one of them should be named chief among them. To which Jesus Christ, then he sits down, And begins teaching them, as we see in verse 35, that if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. That if anyone would be first of all, he must be last of all and servant of all. And that true greatness does not come from putting yourself first. Or from accumulating for yourself all the power and all the influence and all the honors and the fame and the fortune and prestige that this world has to offer, but that instead true greatness comes from dying to self, from putting yourself last, from counting others as more significant than yourself, and from humbly being a servant to all. To which Jesus Christ then goes on to illustrate this point here in verses 36 and 37 by taking a child up into his arms and by saying to his disciples that whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me, and that whoever receives the least of these church in Jesus' name receives also then that of Jesus Christ. And furthermore, whoever receives Jesus Christ not only receives Jesus, but also God the Father, then who sent Jesus Christ into this world as well. Which takes us now, church, to our thesis statement this morning, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. Christian, do not let your pride or your theological arrogance ever keep you from receiving and supporting other sincere Christians who are faithfully doing the work of the Lord. Again, our thesis statement this morning is this, Christian, do not let your pride 
or your theological arrogance ever keep you from receiving and supporting other sincere Christians who are faithfully doing the work of the Lord. Thus, at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up this morning to Mark chapter 9, as we will be looking specifically this morning at verses 38 through 41. And if you're joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible, then please feel free to grab and even to keep one of our church Bibles, which are all located in the chairs in front of you today, because trust me, we want you to have your very own copy of the Word of God this morning. However, if indeed you do take and you keep one of our church Bibles this morning, please also then at this time to open that brand new Bible of yours to page 845 and join us as we as a church family hear the word of God together this morning. For again, we are in Mark chapter 9 this morning, church, and we'll be looking specifically this morning at verses 38 through 41 where John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon after to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you help us this morning, Lord, to see you as you truly are. Father, we are going, just like last week, to be called once again to die to self, to humble ourselves, to count others more significant than ourselves, to be a servant to all, to place ourselves last. But Father, if we can't see you for who you really are, how perfect, how holy, how other you are, God, than us, Father, pride will fester. So Father, I pray that you open our eyes this morning to who you are, God, that you are God who knows all things, who sees all things, who is everywhere, who has given us your perfect, infallible, inerrant, sufficient word in the scriptures this morning. And Father, let us be reverently in all of you today, tomorrow, and forevermore. And Father, let us rely on you to humble ourselves as we try to die to self, to count the least of these as more significant than ourselves and to be willing to humbly serve one another as brothers and sisters in Christ because our brothers and sisters in Christ belong to you, God, and it is a way for us to serve and to glorify you. Father, let us be quick to try to outdo one another 
and serving each other. Father, open our eyes to this text this morning. Soften our hearts. Give us a heart of service, a heart of adoration for you, a heart that desires to serve others because you served and loved us first. Father, help my lisping and my stammering tongue this morning. Father, I pray that I rely solely on your grace, knowing it will be perfectly sufficient to share your perfect word with these people, to encourage them, to edify them, and to glorify you, God. Help us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one. Christian, do not let your theological pride cause you to separate yourself from your brothers and sisters in Christ who are faithfully doing the work of the Lord. Point number one. Christian, do not let your theological pride cause you to separate yourself from your brothers and sisters in Christ who are faithfully doing the work of the Lord. Verse 38, we read, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. So in light of Jesus' disciples, just pridefully arguing with one another about which of them was the greatest and having to be taught by Jesus Christ that the way to true greatness does not come by putting yourself first, but instead by being last and by humbly being a servant to all. Jesus' disciples here, as we see in our text today, still seem to be wrestling with and struggling with that of the sin of pride. And I say that because the Apostle John then, as we see in verse 38, for he says to Jesus Christ, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. And that John here, seemingly speaking on behalf of all the disciples here, for he says to Jesus Christ that someone who was not part of the 12 disciples was successfully at this time casting out demons in your name. And that he was doing it, church, in the name of Jesus Christ or with the authority of Jesus Christ or by that of the power of Jesus Christ, seemingly indicating here, church, that this man was a follower of Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, despite this man being a follower of Jesus Christ, who was able to cast out demons in the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus' disciples here, instead of encouraging this man and supporting this man and celebrating the work that this man was doing in the name of Jesus Christ, they instead, as we see in verse 38, try to stop this man, in essence acting like they were the only ones, church, entitled enough or special enough to be casting demons out of people in the name of Jesus Christ and not that of anyone else. And I say that because Jesus' disciples tried to stop this man here in verse 38 because he was not following us. Not because, church, he was not following Jesus but instead because in the minds of Jesus' 12 disciples here, he was not 
one of us, not part of us, not in the same group as us, the same class as us, and quite frankly did not have the same entitlements as us, and thus because of that did not have the right, at least in the minds of Jesus' disciples here, to be casting out demons just like us. Which is rather ironic, church, especially when you consider that the man mentioned in our text today had been successfully casting out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. Whereas Jesus' own disciples, when a demon-possessed boy was brought to them back in Mark chapter 9, verse 18, ultimately failed to cast that demon out. Nevertheless, for as cringy and as prideful and as egotistical as the apostle John and Jesus' other disciples were all acting at this time, for do we not as Christians still act today this very same way? And that we see other Christians who are faithfully doing the work of the Lord and who are serving the least of these in the name of the Lord and who are trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, our sovereign Lord. And instead of encouraging them, Christian, and supporting them then, Christian, and celebrating with them, Christian, for all the work that they have done in the name of Jesus Christ, we instead become prideful toward them, Christian, and maybe even begrudging toward them, Christian, as we then separate ourselves from them, Christian, and might even try, just like the disciples here today, to put a stop to them and to their ministry, Christian, simply because they are not part of us and that they don't go to the same church as us, aren't part of the same denomination as us, don't hold to all the same secondary theological positions as us, and might even possess some different convictional preferences than us. For I read a story this week, church, about a sailor who had shaled that the most terrible engagement that he had ever had was when the ship that he belonged to engaged in a battle with another English ship. For when the two ships were crossing each other's paths in the middle of the night, each ship thought that the other was the enemy. And thus that evening, several soldiers on each ship were wounded, and both ships were damaged heavily by the fighting back and forth. However, when the day finally broke, great and painful was the surprise when both ships saw that each of them hoisted the same English flag, to which they then saluted each other and then wept bitterly with each other over their grievous and costly air. And far too often, Christians commit the same type of air today, whereas one denomination mistakes the other for being the enemy since it is night and they simply can't recognize them at this time. And thus what a surprise it will be when heaven's light finally does shine and they realize that they had been on the same side all along for how they will salute and receive one another when they better know and see and understand. Now, just to clarify here, church, for I am not talking here about individuals or churches or denominations who say that they are Christian, but who then deny the basic tenets and doctrines of the Christian faith. 
And thus I am not talking here about individuals who claim to be Christians, but who then deny the divinity of Jesus Christ. Nor am I talking here about churches who claim to be Christian, but who then deny the sinfulness of man. Nor am I talking here about denominations who claim to be Christian, but who then deny the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. For that is not who I am talking about here. Instead, who I am talking about here is the individual, is the church, and is the denomination who truly and distinctly is Christian in their beliefs, in their doctrine, and in their affirmation of the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints and who have been transformed by that faith as well, but who also then, church, might not hold to all the same secondary doctrines that we do, or to all the same tertiary doctrines that we do, or to all the same convictional theological preferences that we do. For that is who I am talking about here this morning, church. And thus, with all that in mind, my point here, church, is this. That we do not, then, need to view those types of Christians and Christian churches, and Christian denominations as our opponents, or as our adversaries, or as our rivals, competition, enemies, or foes, but that we instead should view each and every one of them as our partners, as our teammates, and as our allies in the ministry and in the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Since we are citizens together with them in God's kingdom, stones together with them in God's temple, and members together with them, church, in God's redeemed family, and thus simply because a brother or sister in Christ does not align with you doctrinally, Christian, on every single secondary or tertiary or indifferent issue that is out there today, for that does not mean then, Christian, that you should pridefully then, Christian, try to stop them from ministering to others, but that you instead should acknowledge them, Christian and encourage them, Christian, and welcome them, Christian, and be grateful for them, Christian, since you are on the same team as them, Christian, and thus do not ever then, Christian, let your pride, your ego, or your theological arrogance keep you from receiving or welcoming or supporting your brothers and sisters in Christ who are faithfully doing the work of the Lord in the name of the Lord out of their love and devotion for the Lord, since the fact of the matter is the family of God, Christian, is way bigger and way larger and way more diverse than our own church family, than our own denomination, and all of our secondary and tertiary theological preferences and beliefs. Which brings us to point number two. Which is this. For those who willingly serve the people of the Lord because they belong to the Messiah, Jesus Christ the Lord, for they will by no means lose their reward. Again, point number two. For those who willingly serve the people of the Lord 
because they belong to the Messiah, Jesus Christ the Lord, for they will by no means lose their reward. Verses 39 through 41, which reads, But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So obviously, church, after Jesus Christ hears that his own disciples had tried to stop this man who was successfully at this time casting out demons in Jesus' name, Jesus Christ, he says to his disciples in verse 39, For do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. And that if someone is doing a mighty work in Jesus' name, for that generally proves, church, that they are indeed a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that they aren't just going to turn around and all of a sudden begin speaking evil about Jesus Christ or saying bad things about Jesus Christ, especially since, as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says that Jesus is accursed. Nor can anyone say Jesus is Lord except if they are in the Holy Spirit. To which Jesus Christ then makes clear to his disciples in verse 40 that the one who is not against us is for us. That the one who is not against us is for us. And in order to understand this saying by Jesus Christ here, church, you have to grasp here or realize here that Jesus Christ is leaving absolutely no middle ground whatsoever when he says that the one who is not against us is for us and that there is absolutely no neutrality, church, or impartiality, church, or indifference, church, when it comes to that of Jesus Christ. And thus it is because of that, to paraphrase Eckhart Schnabel here, that an unaffiliated supporter then, who truly associates himself with Jesus Christ, like the man casting out demons in our text today, that he should not then be put into the same category as a declared enemy of Jesus Christ, but instead should be welcomed, since he is on the side of Jesus Christ and that of his closest followers as well. To which Jesus Christ then authoritatively affirms to his disciples in verse 41 by saying to them, For truly I say to you that whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. In essence, that those who truly serve the people of Jesus Christ Verse 41, because they belong to Jesus Christ, even to the point of humbly giving them something to drink, that in doing so, as numerous commentators have pointed out, they then serve the King Jesus Christ and display that they are for Jesus Christ and not against Jesus Christ. And thus, because of that, verse 41 will by no means then lose their reward, even though they have humbled themselves here on earth, but instead will surely receive an eternal reward. 
For as the Reverend John Henry Byrne once wrote, that when the English scholar, statesman, and soldier, Sir Philip Sidney, was wounded in battle and was forced to head back to camp, that he almost during that time was overcome by oppressive heat. So he called out for a drink of water, to which a soldier with great difficulty was able to bring to him. However, just as Sir Sidney was about to bring the cup of cold water up to his lips, another terribly wounded soldier was brought right by his side, and he yearned for that same cup of water as well, to which Sir Sidney then willingly passed this cold cup of water on to this other wounded soldier, saying in essence that his need for it is much greater than mine. For our God, church, for he sees all things, he knows all things, never overlooks anything, never forgets anything, but instead remembers absolutely everything, including all the acts of service that we do to one another, church, and thus because of that, go out of your way then, brother Christian, sister Christian, in faith, in humility, and in the name of Jesus Christ, and serve your brother who is in need, and serve your sister who is in need, and sacrificially serve all the members who make up the body of Jesus Christ who come to you in need, since your actions, your humility, and your self sacrificial service, Christian, to each and every one of them when done in the name of Jesus Christ because they belong to Jesus Christ out of our love and devotion to Jesus Christ will never, ever be done, Christian, in vain. Nevertheless, as we begin to close this morning, church, I'd like to do so with the non-Christian who is here first. And to make clear to you at this time, non-Christian again, that there really are only two camps within this world that you can be a part of. For you can be part of the camp that is for Jesus Christ and who believes in Jesus Christ and who are followers of Jesus Christ, or you can be part of the camp that is against Jesus Christ, and who does not believe in Jesus Christ, and who will ultimately then one day die in their sins apart from Jesus Christ, since the only way one can be saved from their sin, forgiven of their sin, and become part of the family of God forever is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, who came into this world non-Christian, as truly God and as truly man, and not in order to be served but in order to serve and to give his life up as a ransom for many. And he did that for us, non-Christian, by initially living for us the life that we could never live. And that while he lived and dwelt among us, non-Christian, Jesus Christ lived a life that was free from any kind of sin, free from any kind of offense, and free from any kind of violation against the law of God itself, and thus fulfilled in its entirety, perfectly and completely, the very law of God, non-Christian, all for the very children of God. However, that was not all that Jesus Christ accomplished here on earth while he lived and dwelt among us. 
because Jesus Christ also came into this world, non-Christian, to pay the price for our sins as well. And he did that for us, non-Christian, by literally being crucified and crushed and killed on a cross at Calvary in our place and as our very substitute, even though he himself never sinned. However, it was through these wounds, non-Christian, that the children of God have been eternally healed. And I say that because this perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that cross at Calvary, for it completely then satisfied non-Christian the wrath of a holy God toward his sinful children. And thus, because the wrath of our holy God was satisfied by Jesus Christ, and furthermore, because Jesus Christ never, ever sinned three days later than non-Christian, Jesus Christ for he didn't stay dead or buried in some grave, but instead three days later, he, Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead. And in doing so, proved to the world that he had indeed defeated sin and destroyed eternal death once and for all, and that he now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. For let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin, and can clothe you then in his righteousness, in his perfect life, and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today will be the day that you can walk out of here this morning completely forgiven of your sin and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. And to the Christian who is here today, for as we close this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, I'd like to do so in light of this theme of Christian service, or in light of this concept of serving one another in Jesus' name, and sacrificially caring for one another in Jesus' name, and lovingly meeting the needs of each other in Jesus' name as well, since is scholar Mark Lane so profoundly pointed out that God is aware of all who share in the extension of Jesus' ministry and also makes no distinction between trivial and important tasks. Thus there is only faith and obedience shown in devotion to Jesus Christ and that wherever those qualities exist, they call forth the approval of God. In essence, in order for your acts of Christian service to be pleasing to your God, for you do not need to become church, some kind of recognizable evangelist for your God, or some kind of 
famous missionary for your God or some kind of distinguished author or memorable martyr or renowned speaker, illustrious leader, well-known teacher, or even that of some honored and revered and influential Christian preacher for your God, but instead you just need to be faithful and humble and diligent and whatever kind of Christian service God has placed in front of you, because if it's done for his name and for his glory, then rest assured, Christian, that your God will certainly take notice and approve. And I say that because as we saw in verse 41 here today, that even the simplest and the humblest and the most unassuming acts of service done to someone who belongs to Jesus Christ because they belong to Jesus Christ as a way to serve Jesus Christ, such as merely giving someone a glass of water to drink. For even that kind of Christian service, church, will be seen and approved by our God. So which as the 19th century American theologian er Albert Barnes once wrote, for how easy it is to be a Christian. For what is easier than to give a cup of cold water to a thirsty disciple of Jesus Christ? Hence, we learn that even the humblest acts of Christians, if done in the name of Jesus Christ or done in love to Jesus Christ, will be graciously noted and noticed and rewarded by Jesus Christ. And thus, none are so humble in his kingdom as to not be able to do good, since even the feeblest acts of love, if done in his name, will be accepted, remembered, and rewarded. And thus, it does not matter then, Christian, if it is a text or if it is a meal, a kind word to someone or simply paying for them a bill, for it does not matter, Christian, for how grand or how humble, how magnificent or how feeble, how ambitious or how seemingly simple your acts of Christian service might be to your brothers and sisters in Christ, because the fact of the matter is, if it is done unto the Lord in the name of the Lord as an act of service to the Lord and as a way to love your Lord, then it will most certainly be pleasing to the Lord. And thus be devoted then, brother Christian, sister Christian, to serving one another in Jesus' name, since each and every act of true Christian service, no matter how small or how unassuming it may be, will most certainly be seen by your God, noticed by your God, be pleasing to your God, and will gloriously be rewarded by your God as well. Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body continue to humble ourselves, to put our pride to death, and to self-sacrificially be a servant to all. Because how often, Father, do we see the work and the ministries of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and instead of rejoicing with them and encouraging them and celebrating with them for the work that they are doing in the name of Jesus Christ, that we instead try to separate ourselves from them and begin to look down on them and even try to stop them simply because they are not part of our church, our denomination, or our theological ilk. And thus, forgive us then, Father, if we have put our own preferences and pride above the peace and the unity of the bride of Jesus Christ, the church. 
but instead let us be willing to accept anyone who is truly doing your work, Father. No matter how small or how humble or how unassuming an act of service it might be, since we know that any type of service done in your name for your people and for your glory will be seen by you, acknowledged by you, approved by you, and will be rewarded by you as well. And thus let us press on in our humble and meek and self-sacrificial service to one another, Lord, all as a means to faithfully glorifying you.